0: Folks, have you checked out the Irish History Podcast shop recently? Right now, I have a sale of 30% off everything when you use the code SAIL30. So go to irishhistorypodcast.ie forward slash shop and get 30% off everything when you use the discount code SAIL30.
1: One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes.
0: Nice dress. Uh, it's a
1: it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care.
0: Hello and welcome to the Irish History Podcast. My name is Finn Dwyer and this show is From Carpenter's Son to King The Story of Lambert Simnel This episode is about what must be one of the most unusual chapters in Irish history a tale of intrigue, conspiracy and deception resulting in a 12-year-old carpenter's son being crowned King of England in Dublin This episode begins not in the late medieval world when these events occurred, but instead in a car park in Leicester in England in 2012. But first I have a brief announcement to make. Over the last two and a half months I have incurred some pretty big costs from podcasting. I've had to get a new laptop and a new mic, not to mention the ongoing monthly costs for web hosting. In total, this is now approaching the guts of a thousand euros. If you've been thinking of contributing and helping out with the show, now would be a great time to do it. It's simple, just go to irishhistorypodcast.ie and click donate. As always, I'm really grateful for whatever you can give. Richard the Lionheart and Henry VIII are probably the two most famous kings from English history. However in the last few years they have faced a stiff challenge from an unlikely source, a car park in Leicester where in 2012 the remains of King Richard III were discovered over 500 years after he had been buried. Richard III was buried in this spot with very little fanfare in 1485 after he lost his life and the throne in one of the most famous battles in English history, the Battle of Bosworth Field. There Richard III was defeated by his great rival Henry Tudor who took the throne and became Henry VII. This bloody battle brought an end to the Wars of the Roses, a 30 year long civil war in England. Henry Tudor's faction, the House of Lancaster, finally amid the blood-stained field at Bosworth, overcame Richard III's House of York. When Henry VII, the Lancastrian, took the throne, most of his rivals who had supported the House of York outwardly, at least, accepted his rule. There was little else to do. Their candidate, Richard III, was dead and now buried in what would later become a car park. However, behind the scenes, some of them still plotted and schemed to place a member of their faction on the throne. These plots and schemes had a major problem however. There was no strong Yorkist contender for the throne. Their best claimant was a ten year old boy called Edward Plantagenet. However in 1485 he was the prisoner of Henry Seventh in the Tower of London and he wasn't getting out any time soon. Edward Plantagenet's captivity obviously presented a major obstacle to the supporters of the House of York. However, by 1486, over a year into Henry VII's reign, they were becoming increasingly desperate and began to look at what might be considered unorthodox methods of taking power. This soon set in motion what is one of the strangest conspiracies in medieval history. And it's here the story, unsurprisingly, gets a little crazy. In 1486 the Yorkists began to gather around a claimant. Now this person was not some long forgotten relative of a dead king or Edward Plantagenus broken out of the Tower of London. No, instead their proposed king was none other than the son of a carpenter from Oxford. This boy, Lambert Simnel, was just an ordinary boy. His father Thomas had just been an ordinary carpenter. They had no claim, not even a dubious one, to the throne. But nevertheless the Yorkist faction were still willing to rally around this child. While you may be confounded at this point, these nobles in the Yorkist faction weren't stupid enough to try and propose an actual carpenter's son as king. Instead they were going to try and pass Lambert Simnel off as the imprisoned Edward Plantagenet. Now I know this sounds bizarre And possibly on the verge of idiotic to us today. But in the late medieval world, it wasn't totally implausible that this plot might just work. Firstly, there had been rumours abound that Edward Plantagenet had escaped the Tower of London. Secondly, and more importantly, very few people had any idea what Plantagenet actually looked like. He had spent his entire life in captivity. On top of this there were no cameras or portraits either so there was little way of proving that Lambert Simnel was not actually Edward Plantagenet if he claimed to be. Now before a carpenter's son could claim to be a noble there was a lot of work that needed to be done. The plotters needed to transform Lambert into Edward Plantagenet. This task was given to the first conspirator whose name we know, an Oxford priest Richard Simmonds. Simmons schooled the boy in secret about ethics and presumably who his new, inverted commas, family were. We don't know what Lambert was told about the plot or perhaps whether he was threatened but it appears that the priest succeeded in convincing this boy to go along with the ruse and it seems that Lambert was able to act the part well. He was later described as "...a comely youth and well favoured, not without some extraordinary dignity and grace." By late 1486 Lambert was ready but before anyone would risk publicly claiming he was Edward Plantagenet the plotters needed a location where they knew this young impostor would be safe from the wrath of Henry VII when he heard about it. England was too dangerous so they boarded ship to the English colony in Ireland. Arriving in late 1486 or early 1487 with the priest Richard Simmons, Lambert had a good chance of mobilising support in Ireland before Henry VII could act. In the absence of the internet, telephone or modern communications it was well possible that Lambert could have raised an army in Ireland before Henry VII even heard of his existence. Aside from this geographical advantage, Ireland also was a place where Lambert could find potential allies. In late 15th century Ireland, the most powerful family were the Fitzgerald, Earls of Kildare. They had been firm supporters of the House of York during the Wars of the Roses. If anyone would support a Yorkist claimant in Ireland, it would be them. All this said though, coming to Ireland had risks. While the Fitzgeralds should have supported the House of York, it was entirely possible that they might decide that the days of the Yorkists were over and, by handing over the impostor to the new king, Henry the Seventh, they would win favour with his regime. There was also the risk that the Fitzgeralds, and most importantly the Earl Gerald Fitzgerald, might just think that this boy, Lambert, was not up to this conspiracy. If, for whatever reason, he proved hostile, Lambert and the priest, Richard Simmons, were dead men. When Lambert arrived in Ireland claiming to be Edward Plantagenet he presented a dilemma for the Earl of Kildare. There were pros and cons to supporting this boy. On the one hand it was an incredible opportunity. If the Earl Gerald Fitzgerald could install this boy on the throne of England He would become a key figure in the new administration and thereby secure his family's dominance in Ireland. It was a double edged sword though. If they failed the cost could be fatal. Treason was a serious business. Now luckily for Lambert and Richard Simmons, the priest, Gerald Fitzgerald was not hostile. Personally I find it hard to believe that Gerald Fitzgerald thought that this child was actually Edward Plantagenet he would have known the real Edward was in the Tower of London. Realistically the Earl probably didn't care who Lambert really was. Aesthetic in this situation was everything. It was Fitzgerald's soldiers who could forge Lambert a new identity and if they were on the battlefield he would, for all intents and purposes, become Edward Plantagenet. Now while I said Gerald Fitzgerald was not hostile, it should be noted that he himself did not openly support Lambert. His family had been one of the most important families in Ireland for nearly two centuries at this point and they had only maintained this position of power through being shrewd politicians. Supporting a 12 year old imposter was not shrewd. It was outright risky in fact and the Earl was not about to gamble his land, title and everything his family had achieved on this boy until he saw how much support he could garner. Instead Predictably, Gerald Fitzgerald hedged his bets. The Earl, in effect, for a while at least, backed both horses. This he did by remaining aloof himself, while getting his brother Thomas Fitzgerald, the Chancellor of Ireland, to support Lambert openly. In this manner, no matter who won, the Fitzgeralds would claim to have supported the winning side. Now, aside from Thomas Fitzgerald, the Earl's brother, Lambert also gained other important allies in Ireland, most importantly William Fitzsimons the Archbishop of Dublin. In the early months of 1487 events began to move apace. However the first few weeks were nothing short of disastrous for Lambert. Indeed it looked like the wheels had come off the project before it had ever really gotten going. Firstly the priest Richard Simmons had returned to England to search out a landing spot that Lambert and a potential army could use. Unfortunately he was captured. While we don't know exactly what happened, I'd be pretty sure he was subjected to agonising torture because by February he had admitted to his role in the plot. Then, to add to the woes of the conspirators, Henry VII now played his trump card. He needed to dispel any rumours that this impostor could actually be Edward Plantagenet. He didn't want people with residual Yorkist sympathies having any hope. So he took the real Edward Plantagenet who he had kept in prison in the Tower of London and paraded him through the streets of the capital of England illustrating clearly for everyone present that Lambert Simnel was nothing but a fraud. Now this act was met with differing opinions. Most damagingly for Lambert the Archbishop of Canterbury immediately wrote to the Archbishop of Armagh, the most senior cleric in Ireland. Now this man was already dubious about Lambert's claim and once he heard from Canterbury that the real Edward Plantagenet had been paraded through the streets of London, he knew Lambert was a fraud and became resolutely opposed to him. This was a serious blow. Now you might think at this point that the conspiracy was a busted flush but no sooner had Henry the Seventh paraded the real Edward Plantagenet through London than the plotters received a boost. Firstly, the Earl of Lincoln, John de la Pole, openly declared his support for Lambert. It's highly likely he had been involved in the plot since its inception and Henry's parading of the real Edward forced de la Pole to act and give some credence to Lambert's ailing claim. Having declared for Lambert, de la Pole fled England and went to Flanders. It was here that the plot really gained legs and more importantly, soldiers. In Flanders, John de la Pole, the Earl of Lincoln, went to the court of Margaret, dowager duchess of Burgundy who happened to be a daughter of the House of York and incidentally one of the most powerful women in Europe. If Lambert had actually been Edward Plantagenet this woman would have been his aunt. Now although she never saw the boy, Margaret still backed the conspiracy. Her motivation was heavily influenced, no doubt, by the fact that she had seen several family members executed at the hands of the Lancastrians and a chance to topple Henry Tudor was too good to pass up. Margaret was not just a talker though, she matched her support with action. She hired the famous military captain Martin Schwartz to provide 2,000 German mercenaries to help Lambert. Once the force was raised, Schwartz and this army, accompanied by the Earl of Lincoln, John de la Pole, sailed for Ireland, arriving in Dublin on May 5th. You can just imagine the tension that must have abounded in Dublin when this army arrived. It was now clear that Lambert Simnel might yet sit the throne of England, His support continued to grow through May and by the end of the month the time had come when his supporters felt he should be crowned. This saw a unique ceremony in Dublin on the 24th of May 1487. It began with a procession to Christ Church Cathedral in the centre of the medieval town from the church of St Mary del Dam. This church is now long gone but it roughly stood where City Hall stands today. The Book of Hote tells us that crowds thronged the streets of medieval Dublin. It's pretty understandable that they would. Dublin had never seen a royal coronation of this kind. Indeed, it would never see another. However, the crowd must have been somewhat underwhelmed when they saw their prospective monarch. The child about to be crowned Edward VI, King of England and Wales and Lord of Ireland, was so small that he couldn't be seen as he made his way to Christchurch through the streets. He had to be hoisted aloft by a man called D'Arcy of Platon who brought the future King of England to the cathedral. We have no idea how this carpenter's son, Lambert Simnel, felt about this day. Amid the cheering crowds, he was about to be made King of England. But I'm not sure he really could have understood the risks involved. If this went wrong, he would in all likelihood die a traitor's death. Regardless of what he thought when he emerged from Christchurch he was King Edward VI and among those gathered to congratulate him was the Earl of Kildare who finally seemed to be backing the scheme. While Lambert could be crowned easily enough in Dublin placing him on a throne in England was another matter entirely. So just over a week later a major army left Dublin to do just this. Now this army going to press Lambert's rights in England was not unimpressive. Martin Schwartz brought the 2,000 German mercenaries who were joined by several thousand Gaelic-Irish soldiers. Accompanying the army across the Irish Sea was Thomas Fitzgerald, brother to the Earl of Kildare and the Earl of Lincoln, John de la Pole. Landing in England on the 4th or 5th of June, the exact date is not known, they moved with lightning speed through Lancashire. And then Yorkshire, and by the sixteenth of the month they had reached Stoke. It was here that Henry the Seventh had brought an army, and Lambert could progress no further without giving battle. For Henry the Seventh, the upcoming battle must have been a slightly nervous moment. He had won the throne at Bosworth Field two years earlier after he had invaded England in circumstances not dissimilar to Lambert's. However, there the parallels ended. Lambert was no soldier. He was just a boy with little widespread support. Henry, on the other hand, was a great war captain and there would be no repeat of Bosworth Field where a king was slain. At the Battle of Stoke, Henry VII annihilated the army that supported Lambert Simnel. Thomas Fitzgerald, Martin Schwartz and John de la Pole, the Earl of Lincoln were all killed. Lambert's claim to the throne was drowned in the blood of his army at Stoke and after the battle he was exposed for what he was a carpenter's son who had pretended to be a king. Sadly the young Lambert was captured after the battle and facing a treason charge execution was very much on the cards. However luckily for Lambert, Henry Seventh decided that this boy was more useful alive than dead. Legends easily grow up around dead men and if Lambert was executed who knows what myths a dead child might inspire. No such myth would grow up around him if he was alive. He was after all a carpenter's son, pure and simple. Indeed he was no threat to Henry, he never had been anything more than a pawn in the game of the now imprisoned priest Richard Simmons and the dead Earl of Lincoln. Instead, Lambert, who only a few weeks previously had been crowned king in Dublin, was set to work in the royal kitchens. He was incredibly lucky. This boy, the son of a carpenter, had been used and effectively abused by nobles on all sides in their quest for power. Had his army not been defeated so easily, it could well have resulted in his death. Conversely if he had been successful I wonder how long he would have lasted. The real Edward Plantagenet was in prison in London. Had Yorkists like the Earl of Lincoln been successful would they simply have killed off Lambert and replaced him with the real Edward? This we will never know but I'm pretty sure they didn't have his considerations at heart. Lambert Simnel lived until at least 1535 outliving most others involved in the plot. His chief supporters, the Earl of Lincoln and Thomas Fitzgerald, were killed at the Battle of Stoke. The real Edward Plantagenet did not live long either. Henry VII never forgot the threat this young man posed. And in 1499, Edward, having lived most of his life in captivity, was accused of plotting against Henry. He was tried and beheaded the same year. The Earl of Kildare, whose guilt was pretty obvious after he had attended Lambert's coronation, Escaped punishment to remove or even punish a man as powerful as Gerald Fitzgerald, Henry the would have had to come to Ireland in person at the head of a large army, and he was too busy solidifying his rule in England to do this. However, in late fourteen eighty seven Henry did not miss the opportunity to humiliate some of the Irish lords who had tried to oppose him by supporting Lambert when they arrived in England. He had them served at table by their one-time king and now kitchen servant, the carpenter's son, Lambert Simnel. If you have any questions about this episode, you can find me on Twitter at Irish History or Irish History Podcast on Facebook. Finally, don't forget, if you want to make a contribution towards the show, go to irishhistorypodcast.ie and click donate. Until next time, Sloan